There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is Soccer 101 with Moon and Rockio. Welcome back to Soccer 101. Uh, Moon Valjean here, your host, co-host with Matt Rockio here from uh, 101 ESPN. What a season. What a season. Uh, this is a tough week, but you know what? There's actually a lot to talk about, and I'd like to start with positive, and then we'll go to negative because there's plenty of negative to talk, and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up with positive. But I uh, just want to say thank you again for, for joining us on Soccer 101. We had a nice little... Um, news segment there on channel two they did a feature on rockio and myself and the soccer 101 podcast and the community that's grown here because you know our intention michelle and i's intention when we started the the podcast was to introduce st louis um fans you know soccer fans casual soccer fans new to soccer fans uh to the sport in you know in in preparation for st louis city sc's inaugural season and uh, one of the big parts was uh, to educate people on on some of the basics, maybe get you back into the sport, remind you of what some terms are, just because, yes, it can be an intimidating thing to kind of come into a fandom, um, especially one as rabid as soccer fans uh, typically can be and as rabid as St. Louis was as far as the, histor- the history goes here. So, and I, and I think we had a success. I don't know. Rocky, how do, how do you feel we did? I think, we, I think you guys, I mean, right off the bat, especially somebody who was a lot newer – to learning some of the things that you guys were teaching people. I thought you guys did an incredible job of informing people and, you know, getting, getting that early interview with Berkey was fantastic. And so, yeah, I thought I, I loved what soccer one-on-one was doing from the get go. Obviously, you know, me and Michelle were both huge champions of soccer, you know, from the word go, you know, when I got to ESPN, um, you know, the team was already a thing, but it was a year out because of everything I got pushed back. And so, yeah, I was, I was so excited when you guys started it and, you know, I'm excited for the future a soccer 101 in the future of St. Louis city. Well, I'm so happy you're here, man. There's a, a couple of huge thank yous. One to all the listening base, uh, two to, to Michelle for starting this with me. And then uh, three Rocky, you stepped in and just crushed this man. Like I, I I, 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 you were so fun to, to sit next to up in the press box, uh, your enthusiasm, your attention to detail, everything. I'm so honored to have you here. And I'm so thankful to you for stepping in and allowing soccer one-on-one to continue uh, not just for our audience, but for me. So thank you, dude. Thank you. Like a very huge personal thank you. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, of course. Thank you to all the listeners. Yeah. Thank you to you for, you know, being open-minded when I a- a- asked if you wanted to get back going. And of course, thank you to Michelle Smallman. She's she's so incredibly talented and she cared so much about this show and she cares so much about this club and this city that I knew it meant it was going to mean a lot to, uh, to her for me to step in here and do a good job. So I'm glad that I'm glad that I've I've lived up to that in, in, in part. So a couple huge congratulations. One, obviously, to St. Louis City SC for winning the Western Conference, even though they were knocked out in the best of three round one uh, of the playoffs against our rivals, uh, SKC, over there, sporting Kansas City. But, I mean, congratulations to the entire town, the entire club, the entire organization, from the ownership down to, uh, to, the, to the ball kids on the, uh, on the sidelines. Number one in the Western Conference is no fluke. It is no joke. Uh, it's not an easy league, and for a 
record-breaking season. Congratulations to the team uh, for doing what no one, no one expected and being the first and only team thus far to be an expansion team to win their conference. Absolutely freaking incredible. And then on top of that, what happens? Our beloved leader, St. Louis City SC Captain Roman Berkey, is named the 2023 All-State MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. Absolutely amazing, and it ties perfectly into what I'm trying to pull off with Together Credit Union because uh, he is Together Credit Union's spokesperson, and uh, and I uh, also work with them, and I would love to be a part of that Saves for Savings and take some shots, take some PKs on Roman Berkey. So there now, you go. oh, I'd love to see that. Oh, uh, dude, I've been trying to set it up for a while, and I think it's actually possible at some point uh, okay. in the offseason or next season. We shall see. I just have one thing. What's All that? I ask for is that they just give is just let me be out there so that then when we when we make the video of it happening, my goal calls and we'll get Joey Zanaboni involved, who, who, who I who I who's a, a personal friend who I absolutely love. We'll get me and Zanaboni on the call together. Of Moon taking PKs against Roman Berkey. Against the perfect. freaking 2023 perfect. MLS goalkeeper of the year. I just I want to put one of the upper nine on and be like, oh, <laughs> I, I got one. I got one. I'm not Cut sure. it. That's it. End yeah. it. We're <laughs> make, finish on a make. I'll, always. I'm not sure my knees will allow a goal to happen like that. But, uh, man, congratulations to him. So very cool. Okay, let's get into the negative. Let's get into the negative. We uh, – we lost two to one second leg. Uh, we lost at home here. City park got blown out four, four to one swept in the first round. Best of two or sorry, best of three series. We went back to uh, sporting KC. I was on stage during the game, so I wasn't able to watch the match live, but you better believe I was like checking all the stat boards and everything. As soon as I got back to the trailer, um, at the festival that I was playing at. And then, um, and then I caught, I caught all the highlights and, uh, Oh boy, let's break this down. How do we break it down? There is a lot to be said. Um, They're not good in possession, Moon. Let, like, rip, like rip the bandaid off. Big question right out the gate. There, there's a clear. There's clearly positions that aren't up to snuff to 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 compared to other spots, and they're not good at breaking down uh, defenses when they when when they're not in transition. I mean, they they need to up the fullbacks. They probably need to get a wider variety or a deeper variety of attackers who can play out wide um, because I think they have some good players. But I think when you talk about clinical attacking wingers, you know, that doesn't really – that's not really a, a spot that they really have. That's not really something they can utilize unless, you know, Thorison is, is, is much better than, you know, what we saw – you know, right out of the gate. And that very well could be true. He could be a lot better than what we saw because he was still finding his legs a little bit and it was a new club and it was, a, you know, it was a, a different system and things like that. So that could be the guy, but I think it's, you know, when you look at what happened in the playoff series, I think it's pretty clear what jumps out to a casual fan. Yes. Um, I think you're right. Although I think, backs. I think that's second priority on this, uh, you know, fill the spots thing. I've been yeah, talking about is number one. Yeah, from from the get go, this is a weird league. It's a weird league with very inconsistent and not great defenses. Now, something I noticed, um, you know, watching a lot more minutes of the MLS this season than I had in in the past. Uh, this is a very American league. Um, the ball seems to be bouncing all over all over the place, and we have world class players scattered throughout throughout the league. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, and I'm not. This is not a slight on the league. 
Uh, but it's a very um, American ball. Like the, the ball is constantly moving. It's not a slow game. You're not going to get like an old school Jose Mourinho, Chelsea, park the bus, work the ball slow, keep possession sort of uh, sort of game, which is great. That's, that. Thank it, God yeah, for that's that. What we, want. we want movement. We want guys hustling. We want guys wearing themselves out uh, by the 50th minute. Like that's that's the kind of sport we're looking for. And thankfully, that's the one we get. But it does remind me a bit of it almost looks like indoor players out there. They're constantly just bum rushing the ball, flying all over the place. And, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it's a different type of game. And the problem is with that, if you have guys that are not good late season because they're just not up to snuff as far as the shape, they're not in shape. They're moving a little bit slower than they were in the first half of the season. You're going to have a lot of pinball and, and, and ping pong, and you're going to lose possession in, in dangerous places. Now let's start with the coaching. I think Coach Bradley Carnell is excellent. I think he is the right coach for the job. I think he's the right guy for us. I think in this uh, first round of the playoffs, he completely got outcoached. I think he got outcoached in game one and very much so in game two. I think he was also up against – um, a team that was completely informed. KC was like the best team in the West since May. We were not great since May. Um, and not in form. Now, is it because the schedule is because of a lot of games? Is it because we are a newer team? We hadn't gelled yet? I don't know. But the defense and the midfield. Blom is not the guy. Um, I like him. I, li I like his style. But for what we're trying to do, he was at fault um, in this in this second game. Yeah. more often than not. Uh, he was ball watching. The defense was ball watching. Remember in the first, in the first game, the first matchup of this playoffs, I mean, we, we lost goals because nobody was attacking balls out of the air. Nobody was attacking balls in the midfield. Like they, like they should be. There was not a tenacity there. Like there was in the first half of the season and the first half of the season, even before our defense had solidified or figured it out, they did not let the opponents penetrate the, uh, the 18, uh, the, the you know the, the the last 18 yards they didn't even let him penetrate the half very well even though we weren't playing a possession ball uh, sort of game where where did that go in the, in this playoff series where did that go yeah and that, that's the big question I I think I, I you know I don't, I don't want to overreact to the two games and I and again I don't want to I don't want to ignore the two games either because I think those two the two games against Kansas City exposed some obvious flaws that had kind of been covered up. I just, I just, I don't know if Blom's one of them. Um, you know, it's, he, it's, it's a hard job to be the destroyer on a team that's built this way. That's going to play this way. Cause again, his job is to cover an absolute unbelievable amount of ground because the fullbacks are playing so far up. And again, I, that, I think that was the oddest and, and, and really the only thing I, I question about city's scheme over the last few months was just the play of the fullbacks. And I think you saw that mitigated when they switched to Hebert and Watts. And instead of both of the fullbacks going down both flanks at all times, it was just Akio Watts playing up the right flank the majority of the time, Kyle Hebert playing back more. And I think that made a lot more sense. And I think that was a good tactical move by Carnell, but you just have to up those positions overall. And I think and we had a great conversation last episode about the fullback position and, and how it changed and how it developed over in Europe. And I think you're seeing that, with all the teams that play this kind of style, they have outsized one attackers who can press like a Sadio Mane at Liverpool. When you talk about a pressing team or they have some just crazy good fullbacks. 
and or or, or they have both. And, and they have good midfield and they have good midfielders too. They're obviously very talented squads. But I mean, those are the three top positions. And I think right now City's done a good job at one or two of those, but they're lacking a little bit at at, at the fullback spot right now. And I think Parker and Nielsen are great. Both of them, obviously, Parker, you know, in the running for defender of the year. But I do think they might be a little bit too similar of a player when you're asking them to be the only back line of defense without a third guy, a fullback staying back. I just think I think that was the one tactical thing I question and the one thing that can obviously be solved by bringing in new talent. And I think the way that Lutz and Carnell were talking about it in the postseason press conferences that they held on Wednesday, that's that's what they're getting at. Yeah, uh, so uh, you know, I've talked about the inconsistencies in defense in this league, which ultimately what I'm saying in that is if you have a consistent defense, I think you're going to go far in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I think that's going to make all the difference. And I think I'm not I'm not putting it at the feet of the of, of the defense cuz clearly our offense did not show up. Now, yo, Pompeo when he came in, making all the difference. He he seemed to be the only guy that was playing as if it were as if it were playoff ball like he was looking to be seen as a playmaker and let's let's use that word to shift gears to the midfield the center mids um if we're looking for a cdm if we're looking for a center defensive mid uh and and blom is caught ball watching on both of sporting Casey's goals but i mean ball watching what happened there no assistance to the defense all in the back line not there and and I will also say that Leuven, and you can you can say what you want, and this is not an I told you so. I'm I'm just saying that Leuven proved you bet two bad games. Okay, but we can't have a number ten having two bad games when it comes no, to playoffs. And you're and, absolutely and, right. And I'm not putting it at his feet. What I'm saying is, um, he proved me wrong throughout the season. I know a lot of people crashed mm-hmm. on me because I I had a lot of skepticism about the type of play that we're going to need for a number for a number ten. Now he proved me wrong in on the stats, and he's a great stat guy. When he's having a good game, he puts numbers up in goals and assists. So he is a stat guy. But what I'm typically looking for and hoping for in a center midfielder is not a stat guy. Is not a guy that's on the sheet necessarily with assists or 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 uh, uh, or goals. It's somebody that you don't even know is the freaking actual hero out here, keeping the ball not miskicking, not giving away possession, really handling and holding that midfield in a in a in a fearful way to to other midfields and to other defenses. Um so yeah, Leuven totally proved me wrong on the stats and he's a huge asset to this team and he's going to be a key component going forward with strategy and building people around him. But he's not the number 10 that I like, the Ander Herrera, the Michael Carrick, the uh I, I won't even say Lampard cuz he was also a stat guy, but like we're going to need more out of Leuven as far as um, consistency and not losing the ball, not turning over the ball. Blom, Blom and him, um, Blom on the defensive side on a CDM, if that was what he was tasked to do on this last go, and Leuven, if he's if everyone is looking at him to be a talisman and to be a stat guy and put those balls in and have assists and put balls on target – then a lot of the onus goes on him. And I say onus because I'm going to read this straight from this post-dispatch so you don't think that I'm the only one talking about Leuven or whatever. Straight from the post, it says, During a 34-game season, there were times where St. Louis excelled through standard run of play. But in the playoffs, St. Louis didn't often utilize stretches of possession to create goals. There were sloppy giveaways. The strikers and attacking midfielders didn't have consistent cohesion, and starting Sam and Dinneron in the second game backfired. 
Overall, there was a lack of dominance and confidence that you often see in all sports from a number one seeded team. Carnell, in reference to the first game in, at, against SKC, said City was lulled into a slower, less effective game. As for creating offense, much of the onus is on Edward Leuven. The midfielder lacked sharpness late in the season. He had uncharacteristic missed kicks against SKC, be it with possession or even on free kicks. He didn't. He just didn't have that magic making in his legs like we saw in early months of the season. I will push back on uncharacteristic missed kicks because when he's on, those balls are lasers. They're perfect. But when he's not, he's losing possession. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that he steps up. I think he's an excellent player. His work ethic and his uh, ability to work with the team also impressed me. So I'm a fan. I'm on his side. And I'm hoping during the offseason and preseason of next season, he addresses those couple things because he would be a monster. He could be. And I'm hoping he will be an absolute monster. Let's see what happens, though, when they start to build things around him because Blom is an excellent player but is probably going to get replaced. Am I right? Really? That's okay. That's an interesting take. I think I he's great. But in, where, where, he's where definitely – I mean, he's pretty – I mean, he's – okay. I mean, not to – you know, not to, I, I hate I hate just, you know, sending people out and firing people or, or – No, no, I'm not saying that. But if you, I mean, but if you think about positions where else. you get – do you think about positions where you replace potentially a guy with a, a new starter, a, a complete new injection of talent, or where you get more depth and maybe you get you go to more of a, a rotation at that position? If you had to be if you had to ask me my top three, I think fullback would be number one, and that's that kind of covers two positions, so it could be number one and number two. Because I think you do need new depth and maybe new starters at both left and right back. Uh, maybe so, maybe a little bit less so left back. And, and then if you get if you get the and here's the thing. If you get the fullbacks, how do you feel about Akil Watts then shifting back to defensive midi? And, and after seeing how he played as a, a right back, knowing he's a classical midi, does that give you an, does that give you the depth player at center defensive midi behind Blom that you're thinking, hey, he covers a lot of ground. Maybe Akil Watts can be that an asset there. So I'm not so I mean fullbacks number one with a bullet for me. Again, for me, my numbers two, I, I really do think that the move to Thorison was to add more speed and a deadlier aspect on the flank. And I, and again, I'm not saying Thorison can't be that guy, but if you can find a guy who you're more confident and who you can put in and say, this guy's a top 12, 13, 14, because that's kind of where their rotation is. He's that already, boom, in the top of our rotation, right out of the gate. That would be my number two if I'm looking at, you know, where do I go for City? You obviously want to go center defensive midi and fullback. I assume would that kind of be your one too? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just a you know a coach in the stands here, but like I'm not sure I would be working around that formation. But if that formation is going to stay as they're, is, if they're going to they're going to stick with their philosophy. That's <laughs> something. I mean, and, and I can and I I, I think which I is have fine, a, which is good. Yeah, they're going to stick with their philosophy. I think I don't. I don't know how much the formation is going to change. Really. Well, I don't know. I I I'd almost try to try to use Blom on the wing. I mean, he's just um, as he's, a wing as a wing back. Possibly, I, I maybe not a wing back. Maybe like a a a a, a winger on the left side of, of midfield. I I don't know, man. I don't know. I like I'm video gaming it here. But l listen, on on Wednesday. Leuven did say this. He said, I didn't play bad in the last couple of games. I just didn't play great uh, in the games, like in the games before. And yeah, I felt like mentally I was struggling a little bit because it was a long season. 
I tried to ramp it up again over and over and over again, and I really wanted to go to the next round and gave everything. But I felt mentally and physically a little bit tired. To be very honest, hopefully next year I can adjust a couple things. Again, I I love the guy, but he does seem a bit sluggish. And when he's sluggish, he's off. When he's when he when he looks well rested and everything like that, he's a freaking ten. He's 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 putting the balls on dimes. I mean, he is uh, he's he's effective, and mm-hmm. you just can't go to the playoffs with an ineffective midfield. Um, we could talk about up top. We could talk about the, the, the hustle and I'm, and I'm, and I'm super stoked on, on the hustle from a lot of these guys. Because again, Pompeo Stroud, typically, uh, you, you know, four out of five games, he's a hustler. I mean, he is, he's just a mover and he's given it his all. And I really love that. I, I, I hope to see more of that. Um, we have such a cool squad. And again, like we're so fortunate here to be bitching about, uh, getting knocked out of the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what a, what a cool, what a cool and, problem. Yeah, it, it really is. And, 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 you know, that that's kind of been, you know, what a lot of Carnell and Lutz were talking about on a Wednesday was, you know, obviously we're disappointed, but again, you know, we have to frame it as, you know, we're, no one expected us to be playing in a playoff game. And so you have to think about where we came from, from where we like started. And like what did you like say? That. I don't, you like, don't that. like that. No, I don't. I, I, no, I like don't, it because don't start, don't start, don't start making don't start making excuses. You, won, you won the Western Conference. They, you they, won the they, Western they Conference. They said they were disappointed. Don't play this underdog crap. I. But here's the thing. I. I'm okay with it because here's here's why. Players, fans, coaches, and GMs all have to have different mindsets on how they see the see the game. And so when Lutz and Bradley talk about that. I understand because they have a wider scope and they have to. The you know, Lutz is thinking in three to five year windows. Carnell's thinking in multiple year windows as well. The totally. players, you want those guys thinking in 24 hour windows. And so that's why I'm not bothered by Carnell and Lutz saying, listen, let's take a, a whole scope at this about where we started and where we came from. Cause there's a lot of there's a lot of variables in there. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't no no no. This this kind of talk is the salve that we as fans put on ourselves. Don't you rub that lotion on me. Okay. You you let me rub that lotion on myself. The fact of the matter is, yeah, maybe it wasn't your plan to win the Western Conference, but the fact of the matter is, let's 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 put up the table. Let's let's put up the table and see some of these teams. And this is my positive and I'll come back to this at the end. My positive to 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 new fans, to to people that may be new to the MLS is I don't want you because initially I was like I think I'm done watching these other the, these other teams because I was upset that St. Louis got bounced, but you know what? My encouragement and the positive here is to watch the rest of the playoffs, watch these other teams, see see how these these teams work, watch what teams are in form, watch what teams are not. Let's really encourage everybody to watch it all the way down to the finals. But the fact of the matter is, this team displayed throughout the entire season, 34 game season. That I'm telling you, when you watch some of these other teams, we have a potentially better team than at least half of them in the playoffs. So again, that salve of oh, but we never expected to be here, and you know that's that's QC. That's 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 a nice lotion I put on my own wound. Don't you put that on me, because we should have beat the wild card team in the West here. We would have gone on to play uh, the winner of Houston and Real Salt Lake. And I'm, I'm sorry if we're in form, we're better team. We're a better team than both of them. So we go to the semis. We go to the semis in expectation in, in my mind. And, and honestly, it's not even about expectation of like what I would hope for or guess it's what you displayed 
as a team, the skill set that you put together, the skill set that you already have, not that you're trying to build in three years. So, no, I don't. I do not accept. All right, let's let's uh, let's hear a little bit from Wednesday. They they talked for three hours, Lutz, Bradley, and then uh, you know the, the top about 13, 14 players on the roster all sat down and talked with the media on Wednesday. You're going to see a lot of it coming out. We got a little bit here to hear from. So let's go to actually Bradley Carnell when he talked about this past season and and how what he, what he looks back on the most. Yeah, for me, it's about you know developing the person and and the skill set of the individual but within a philosophy right for me the system is always the main thing and you know we we identified key players or, or players in in certain areas to make sure that they are ready to apply the principles to apply the system and uh, through that you know from a team who had no depth at all going into the season which just alluded to it you know how many players made minutes debuts you know seven of them you know celebrated debuts with with their families and yeah i believe you know we have to stick to our strict routine our strict principles and our philosophy because that is our dna this is who we are yeah for me it's about you know develop so you know not so sad but i i I, again i think you know carnell when when he when he was asked just about you know his scope of the view of the season you know, the development is a big thing for him. And you heard him talk about depth there. Depth kind of became a weird uh, kind of like curse word early on in the Lutz press conference. He, he was kind of reacting when people were, were talking about City's depth. Here's Lutz, uh, as Carnell alluded to, here's Lutz talking about City's depth from this season. Well, we had guys who played two years ago college, who played 2,000 minutes. This is what I call depth. And – Will we still work on the depths and trying to trying to improve the team? Again, it has nothing to do with depth. It has to do that areas of the squad where we can be better, where we should be better, where we have to improve and where we want to improve. And that is exactly where we will look into the transfer market. But the word depth is something which doesn't really fit too much in our season right now. I think it's the probably one of the worst word. Uh, words we can choose describing our season because we probably had the biggest depth in the whole league without anybody expecting it. And that was Lutz again talking about the impressive depth they have. So for him, for him, it sounds like to me it's about improving the starting quality of certain positions, and, and that's going to be their main goal this offseason. Yeah, um, I get it. I get it, and 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 that's great. No, I mean, I mean, no, I, th- I think that is that is going to be the focus of of the off season. Um, but they're going to be, I think they're going to be plugging holes, um, in these in these weird ways because we did we did show so much so much skill, so much uh, cohesion. Like when when the philosophies were being worked again, we got to work on that possession ball, uh, and that is going to come with with some growth and all that kind of stuff. But man, I coach is going to have a tough job, dude. Uh, tough job off season, tough job next season, just because he's good. He showed a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of heart, a lot of smarts, and all that. But um, like I said, I think he was out coached and, and and figured out pretty well in this in this uh, playoff round. And I wonder how he feels about that. And I wonder what they're going to do to be a bit more uh, a bit tougher, maybe, or a, a bit more elusive. I'm not I'm not sure. Okay. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't I don't even know how going forward how you attack that when think, everyone has seen your hand. Well, I think um, your Pompeii point back, back a few minutes ago in the pod, I think that was a really, I think that was a really important point about why, why was Pompeii the player that made the difference 
in game two and almost, you know, and he almost made the difference entirely and, and helped you win the game. Why was it him? Because, and you know, this is this works if you maybe if you're not a hundred percent a soccer fan, maybe if you're more of a basketball fan, maybe if you're you know a lacrosse fan or a hockey fan. So it works with all these sports. So Pompeu is is a one-on-one player, and and that's why you change the game. It's the same thing with a basketball player or a hockey player, guys who can beat guys without the help of anybody else on, on the ice or the field or the court. That's why Pompeu changed it. That's what they need. That's what they need that upper level of talent that says this is the time when I'm going to take control of this game. Yeah. And you saw it from certain guys in certain positions, but I don't think they have a guy right now as a forward necessarily who can do that consistently. And that's why I think Pompeu's one-on-one talent jumped out and was so, you know, so impactful against Kansas city. Cause that's how you break down set final third defenses. Yeah. It's cool that you said that, you know, making impact and uh, being an impactful player up front. We definitely have it in the back. And again, congratulations to Roman Berkey for uh, becoming the all state MLS goalkeeper of the year. Let me show you the voting breakdown. Roman Berkey, the player vote, he got 60.61%. A second place was a uh, Roman Celitano uh, with a 6%. And then uh, Pedro uh, Galice from Orlando got 3%. Uh, that was the player vote. The club vote was 70% Roman Berkey, 5% Roman uh, Celitano, and uh, Pedro got a 7%. Media vote was 71% for Roman. So the average vote, Roman Berkey, 67.48% of the voting. Uh, we definitely have uh, you know such a key component player there, but uh, he was – he was left out to dry by his defense and, and unfortunately wasn't able to be like, you know, the impact player that we know he can be and will be in the future. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. But like I said, I want to kind of pull it back to encouraging, especially new fans. And I know, you know, we, we did this a little bit later in the week intentionally because we kind of had to let ourselves settle down uh, a little bit from such a disappointing uh, two weeks, but, let me encourage you to continue to watch. Watch whatever games. Maybe watch a couple of matches that you didn't think you were interested in as far as the teams and just really soak it in. Like soak in how the MLS works, how the playoff system works, how it feels, how, how it feels so different than the than the, the regular season. Um, and 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 try to study these guys a little bit. Study study how different they may look or how how similar they may look to you uh, and really enjoy it. Let's put up the uh, the, the board again see who what kind of matchups we have so skc is going to go on to the semifinal against the winner of houston and real salt lake uh i think uh i think kansas city has shown such great momentum that honestly i know that they're, they're the underdogs and they'll play away in all these matches because they were the wild card winner um but i think they have a great chance of actually moving on and being a, a hero story yeah they're gonna be a tough out yeah, then uh, LAFC. LAFC will move on because uh, you know they beat Vancouver, and they will play the winner of Dallas and Seattle in their semifinal. How about that comeback by Dallas? I, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to replicate that in Seattle, but, I, I mean, tell you what, the Sounders aren't sleeping soundly right now. Yeah, definitely not. I don't know what's going to happen there. I think they're going to wear each other out, and LAFC is going to beat whoever wins that anyway, and we'll meet yeah. probably Kansas City in the conference final. LAFC goes to the MLS Cup in my book on that. Now, on the other side, I watched uh, a little bit of the Orlando-Nashville match, and uh, or- Orlando moved on 
Nashville looked super flat-footed, as did St. Louis City SC. I saw a lot of actually kind of comparable uh, things happening. Cincinnati will take on Philadelphia in that uh, semifinal. Cincinnati, the uh, the Shield winner for the season. I have them going on. Now, I watched a lot of the Columbus-Atlanta highlights, and man, first of all, Atlanta win four to two, wins 4-2 to two in their second match uh, to come back because Columbus was up, so they've tied it. That winner will go on to play Orlando. But what an interesting match because uh, Almeida is a one-man show over in Atlanta. Atlanta looks Atlanta looks tired and flat, and that was a clumsy game, and Columbus blew it just over and over and over. Um, but again, it just goes to show that like when you get this late in the season, some of these defenses really fall apart, and it becomes this strange sort of like who can keep it together in the back. Um but uh, Atlanta has has such such a striking force with Almeida up, uh, up on top there. And he's going to be fun to watch. Honestly, I hope that they go on just so I can watch him more. But Orlando's in such good form. Um, I see it being Orlando versus Cincinnati. And honestly, I don't know who goes on to take LF, LAFC in the MLS Cup in my prediction uh, model here, but I will probably say if Cincinnati keeps with it, they eke out a win against Orlando in the conference final. What are your predictions? I'm honestly thinking that Philadelphia union right now might be the, the, the scary team right now. I mean, obviously Orlando city's, you know, so damn consistent, but I really do think that if Philadelphia, if Philadelphia takes down Cincy, obviously taking down the number one seed means a lot. And I, I really do think, Philadelphia has a very good chance to do it. I think if Philly takes down Cincy, they take down Orlando, they're playing in the MLS Cup. Huh. And then okay. and then at that point, again, at that point, if Sporting Kansas City get, gets on the run and if Sporting Kansas City stays on this run, I, I don't know if anyone beats them. But obviously losing Logan and Dembe is going to put a little bit of damper in that. So, you know, if they if they can get Johnny Russell, they can get Tommy 100% up to, to, up to health. And having Melia, you know, as that trump card, if you take a game into the into the penalties, I just don't know if a team's going to be able to to completely cool the fire of SKC. So it's not going to shock me right now if I had to if I had to put a little bit of money down. I don't want to go completely chalk. I want to make a little bit. I think I'd have to find a way to put SKC going up against Philadelphia. Wow, wow, man, that'd be cool. That'd be fun. That, that'd be cool and unexpected. But, here, from but here's the thing: a few weeks ago. If Columbus, if Columbus survives somehow, if they if they write the ship and win game three, they, won't. they can they can they could. That's the thing though. If they're completely destroyed, it, it's over. You're right. But it mean if they are able to write the ship, if they're able just to leg it out, there's no telling what happens if, if they keep playing because you know Crew's been so damn solid the entire season as well. Yeah, I know, but they looked they looked really confused. They, they, uh, they need it. they need to start rubbing lamps or something. I I, I don't see anything happening. Burn sage. <laughs> yeah, it works for St. Louis teams. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure anything happens there unless they really like catch some magic. Uh, so anything's possible. That's what makes the beautiful game the beautiful game. Um, so uh, yeah, let's 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 leave it there. But let's encourage everybody to 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 continue to watch the playoffs. And I say that we continue to do episodes and just kind of update everybody. There's going to be off season announcements. There's going to be international uh, announcements. There's going to be all sorts of stuff. And here's the thing: this is a, this is one of the best parts about about soccer and having soccer now in town and you doing a podcast about it. It's a short off season, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. They, they get about eight weeks, and then there are there are they're in the Concacaf Champions Cup. We talked about continental soccer a few episodes back. Uh, go ahead and download the episode, uh, the episode wherever you get your podcasts. 
And that means they're playing games in early February, which means these guys are back training in January. So they get eight weeks, they get November, December, and then they're back on the pitch because we're going to have soccer again right out of the gate. And in between that time, again, December hits uh, or January hits and, and the official window opens and then who knows what happens. Yeah, and we'll keep the pod going. We'll take a break for the uh, holidays. That is the plan. But, uh, yeah, let's let's keep talking about these playoffs over the next couple of weeks and watch the excitement. Even though we're out of it, it's okay. Congratulations again to St. Louis City SC for a heck of a season, to Roman Berkey for being the All-State MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. And for, for Bradley uh, Carnell getting uh, Sportsman of the Year, for, uh, the award he's going to get at the uh, Stan Musial Awards coming up here uh, in uh, about a little bit less than a month. Congratulations oh, so to Bradley cool. Carnell as well. Yeah, so cool. Well-deserved. All right, well, on that note, Matt Rocchio, Moon here for Soccer 101, and we'll leave you with a... Goal! Goal!